Pops and Taps, where we're talking hockey, a bit of the Irish crack, and raising points. Friday, December 17th, a little closer to Holy Christmas Day. Yours truly, Mr. Paul Cuthbert, holding down the board here in New York, in the U.S. of A., and it's time to bring me drinking made on from the great white dog in Canada, just outside of Ottawa. Stanley Maguire, a good Irishman himself, bartender. Bobby Jesus, bring all the Jameson you have. <laughs> Things are turning the back to the wrong ways. What's going on, brother? Polly, how's she going, brother? How's she going? Hey, my uh, friend, three months to the day to St. Patrick's Day. Three months? <laughs> all right. Well, you take a I bottle, got that much to look forward to because I don't have anything else I can tell you. Oh, man. Holy uh, Folks, we just had a little pre-chat here before we started taping. As you, everybody in the hockey world knows, and everybody in the North America knows now, uh, mass mandates are coming back, closings, uh, and you know, me and Liam, obviously, we were just chatting before too. Uh, we're, we're, you know, we're in the crowd business. A couple of things getting canceled on our end too, as far as you know, guys like us making a living. So anyway, uh, we'll try and keep the show as chipper as we can, as we always yeah, do. Yeah, absolutely, brother. The world so, will. Uh... We'll continue to spin, and somehow uh, we'll stay on the right side of the grass as best we can and live to fight another day. But, yeah, I just got uh, just literally uh, 30, 40 minutes ago, got the news, my brand-new gig, which I actually got in March of 2020, has now been postponed for the fourth time. Scheduled to start New Year's Day, but um, Quebec and certainly Ottawa, I'm not sure about the rest of Ontario, probably going to follow suit. Uh, because our this isn't you know the hard rock decision uh well they're making the decision but they're making it based on the medical profile that we're getting here and this new variant has got everybody everybody worried I don't know we're all double vaxxed you're almost 90% of it for of us and apparently this variant is is a very mild strain at all if you do even contract it it's just it's very transferable i guess they say so Anyway, look, our beloved NHL is getting smoked and uh, various as teams. Is the right, NBA, as is the uh, NFL. Yeah, I mean. NFL, yeah, yeah. So, I don't know, man. I, I don't know. I don't know. I'm, I'm disillusioned because I just don't. Uh, all I can maintain and from my layman's point of view is let us make our own adult decisions and people who want to mask in mask out if that which is the requirement here still and tell us to go get vaccinated we went and got vaccinated tell us to get a booster i'm gonna book i'll get i'll I'll get the third one we all me and all my friends will let let us live let us let us make adult decisions then and 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 make our make our own decisions and because it's not nothing stopping by doing any of this nothing's nothing's changing it just continues when's the next variant what's going to happen when the next one comes along tell me you know there's another one coming you think this is just going to be it and that's over there's no way and i can't see it and so i don't know nah, it's venting just venting a little here pal just uh disillusioned with it all no, but look hey I, I always like sticks and taps uh sometimes it's a good therapy session for me and you know sometimes <laughs> it's, a, it's a it's always a great laugh and you know this is what it's about yeah look um yeah you know all i can say down here on long island um and new york obviously you know we're seven million people out here on the island so i was just checking so the, the it's about a thousand cases a day so far so 
Look, there's stuff going on. So uh, my 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 daughter's junior high. The high school had to shut down. They've got over a hundred and some odd kids in quarantine. They've got uh, yeah tw- twenty plus ca- you know positive cases. And then sure enough, you know her her classmate just got COVID. So people are getting it. Nobody's going to the hospital. Thank God so far. But I mean, it, yeah. it is around. And I, I you know I don't I don't know. I mean, the uh, just to give you I, see like I'm I'm looking up at you guys in the north, and I'm going wow. They're cutting the capacity already. Wow, they canceled the game. I mean, yeah, you know, here in New York, um, the, the the local government, the governor set the mass mandate, right? So every yeah. establishment gets to decide how they want people to come in and come out, right? Right. And the the local they're not they're not enforcing the mass mandates. Like, there's not going to be a police going out for people. But like I said, are, so are my, you are you vaccinated? I am vaccinated and boosted. Yes, ninety seven percent of Nassau County. Where I live in, which is half of the seven million that's out here, right? Yeah, and Suffolk too out here is that's going like from me out east, you know. So I'm forty minutes from Manhattan. Give you a perspective. Okay, and then I'm about two and a half hours out to Montauk, all the way out there. You know what I'm saying? Okay. So yeah. Long Island is, you know, I mean the, the cases are going up a little bit. But anyway, what I'm trying to say is is that the the local legislature here is not enforcing the there's there's no policing of it. But right. New York. All I can say from being out here the last couple of days, New Yorkers are kind of used to this. Because we yeah. quarantined really hard in the beginning, so nobody's yeah. really having a, a big issue. But you, um, with the vaccinations now, um, you know, like I said, I went to the cleaners the other day. The guy's like, "Don't worry about it. If you're vaccinated. Come on and get your suit." Uh, yeah. Supermarket today, <clears throat> mask in, mask out. Okay, right. Um, right. Our concert venue, which our it, our big show is coming up in January, they've gone from the mandate, which is uh, you know the 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 thirteenth of December through the fifteenth of January. They were doing rapid testing on site and testing coming in, but now they're 100% vaccine. That's it. Okay. Um, so everybody's kind of doing it different here, and everybody's watching it. The cases in New York are going up. I mean, I, I like I said, we're no matter. We could talk to this to a blue in the face. I know. You know, yeah. and all we can do here is sit here and and and, and watch it and just cross our fingers <clears throat> that they're just being super, super over overprotective, and that when we get to January. This thing just passes and we get back to going to it again. I mean, what yeah. else can we do? I, I don't know, buddy. We well, there's the no other. Hey, hey, you know what? There, there's no other option, uh, certainly, than to do that. And so we get through Christmas and we'll, next, well, we're going to be in January in the blink of an eye here. I mean, it's 14 days, right? We're two weeks to December, two weeks to New Year's Eve. So then you got New Year's Day, Saturday. So we're going to be in January in no time, <clears throat> but we're shut down. So. Uh, at least my gig, anyway. Uh, I've been told they'll be—they are not going to do anything at all in the month of January. So we we'll go to February, and then just this is just tiny little me here speaking here, just yeah. as how it's affected me. But of course, the NHL um, at this point they are still scheduled to go to the Olympics. <clears throat> I, I don't know what's going to happen there. They're going to have to make a decision at some point in the next uh, 21 days. I think they have to formally decide by January 7th. I think I, I, I maybe have that date wrong, but it's in and around that time. They have to make a decision that they're, and then it's up to the individual player, like Stamkos, he's all in, but others, you know, Robin Leonard obviously bailed on Sweden and, and who knows individually what others will do. Connor McDavid seems skeptical, you know, with the quarantine situation, if you do contract it or have to go into protocol in China and before you could ice up in the NHL again, could be as much as five weeks. So <laughs> why, may, why so, make that trip? If you get there and you test positive, you, you're done. Yeah, and you're, how much are you screwing your potential livelihood back here? So, yes. 
I, I, I just find it hard to believe they're going to go. Like, the NHL right now is scheduled to shut down February 3rd to the 23rd. Supposed to be no NHL games. You, you know, I, I don't know, man. I don't know. So, anyways, who knows? I, at some point, somewhere, sometime, I'll be in front of a crowd talking hockey trivia. I Maybe it's 2023, 2024. No, 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 no. <laughs> Jesus, if I have to send the caravan up to sneak you across the oh. border, I'll get you down from Long Island, buddy. <laughs> Holy lifting. Oh, I'll man. tell you, man. It's, uh, yeah, that was crushing news there to get. And my buddy, of course, his band was scheduled to play New Year's Eve, same venue, right? That was the official launch. Sticks and Stones, Ottawa's number one party band, Rocket Ronnie Warwick, who's in the record book here in Canada for the oldest man to play Canadian University hockey. And he was scheduled to light it up large on New Year's Eve. I was going to be there and and then promote my show the next day. And then, uh, so he's... He's been told now they're looking at a Valentine's Day show for him. <laughs> and uh, for me, it's, uh, you know, I, I, mine's going to be dependent on what happens. If, if they don't go to the Olympics, are they going to go ahead and have those NHL games? I heard there was two schedules that were made contingency for that very reason. And yet the last report that came out eight or ten days ago that I read on Twitter, so take it for what it's worth, I can't even remember the source. But suggested that, in fact, there is no other schedule. And, and that the NHL would take the bulk of not all of that time off anyway. Because the games are scheduled to fit in when they're scheduled to fit in. And the season's scheduled to be played with the Olympics yeah. having being taken place. Well, I don't know, man. Holy cow. Like, you've got, you got what, about 100 and... 50, 60 NHLers that are scheduled to play your best, like your bread and butter players. And like you said, it's inconceivable that at least a couple of them don't come down with something. And then what's going to mean for the team? Like what if team USA, team Canada goes over, somebody gets it. Like what? Well, they can't play in the tournament. It's only two weeks. Yeah, I know. So then it's a shit so show. I, 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 I wouldn't I, go. I, I would shut it down. I really would. I gotta be honest with you too. I, I, you know, the other thing that's on the side over here, you know, everybody, the world is gonna pay attention to is it's what's going on with uh, Russia and the Ukraine. If any of that shit yeah. starts flying off the handle too, who the yeah. if you're if you're an individual, yeah, I don't know. It's just as much as of a great time I had down in New Orleans, I was still kind of hesitant to get on a plane and travel out of where where I am in my safe zone here. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I don't know, man. And look, yeah, the other man. thing too is, is in New York. I mean, what do we? Oh, they're scheduling New Year's Eve here. Is is the NHL going to have the Winter Classic? I mean, are they going to put you know sixty, seventy thousand people in in Target Field in Minnesota? I mean, this probably. Is all, it's all I don't know. It just, it just seems like the states. Uh, I, I mean, look, you, you tell me because I'm just going by perception. But you watch what we watch on TV. I'm talking primarily sporting events here. Massive crowds of. Countless thousands, not a mask to be seen. So, like, what is it? What is it there that's not happening? That's happening here? I, I like, I don't know. It's it's, it's my perception that the Americans have said have given a great big f you to COVID and said, and they're saying what I said twenty minutes ago. They're saying, look, we're wearing the mask, we're vaccinated, we're vaccinated, we're going in and out. What tell us what? But we're going to gather and we're going to do our thing. 
Yeah. What's the death rate? It's 0.2% or something. Yeah. You know, letting people live is what they seem to be. I don't know. Correct me if I'm wrong. You would have a better handle no, on your I, country. I, I like, when I saw the Canadians cancel the game, like I heard about the half capacity we were talking about the other night and, um, you know, a couple of cousins and stuff. And, um, but when I saw that the, the Canadians canceled, what, two hours before the game, I was like, what? That, well, they, yeah, they said no fans. Yeah, they played yeah. last night. I'm with sorry. Empty, yeah, I'm sorry. I didn't cancel the game. I'm sorry. And, yeah. You know what I meant. But, they, but, now, but now they've postponed their game against Boston. Yeah, but I want to get back to them, you know, yeah. no fans last night. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That to me, yeah. that's not going to happen here. There would have to be just like everybody just storming the hospitals or something like that. Yeah. Uh, and that's why I was like, really? You know, and that's why yeah. I want to I ask you a quick question. Do you know um, what the vaccination percentage is in Ontario and Quebec? And oh, is it we're, high? We're, we're very high. We're high across the country. I think maybe Alberta is, is maybe, well, at least a few weeks ago when I saw the numbers and still they were like, everybody's way the hell up there. Like, I don't think there's a province that's less than 80 percent. I think most are pushing really? 90. Yeah. Wow. I don't think there's a province or a territory in Canada that has less than 80% double vaccination. I'm 99% certain of that. And and um, I think Ontario, frankly, may be number one. In, Let me ask you in, one other question then. Down here in the States, certain states, certain you know cities and all that stuff, we're, we're mandating that their hospital staffs get vaccinated and everything else. Did you guys yeah. do that up there? Did you guys lose a percentage of the healthcare workers? Yeah, we did. So yeah. The only thing I can think of is if that happened and they, they're understaffed or something, that maybe they just know that they can't handle this if. So maybe yeah. they're – I mean, we're sitting here trying to make sense out of it, right? Yeah, I know. I know. So, Look, I, I get know. safety first. You know, we all use it now for a thousand different memes and jokes and things of that nature. And I get – listen, if, it's, it's just this thing. I, 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 I totally get it. It's a serious flu. It's a serious thing. There's no doubt about it. You know, we're doing a toast at the end of the show today to my friend, dear friend, Les Emerson, passed away. He had COVID, but it was respiratory illness. He was double vaccinated. And it was COVID complications that actually, actually what killed him. Yeah. And, Sorry, and you know, but, but he had serious respiratory illness. And so that's, he was, he was the target. Yeah. For COVID. Like all of his bandmates got it as well. And none of them had more than a sniffle, you know. And but unfortunately, he was hospitalized and he and he and it killed him. He died from it. 77 years old. He'd been dealing with respiratory stuff for a while, as I led to believe. Don't know medically exactly, but that's definitely the contributing factor here was a respiratory illness. And then COVID complications is what is what took his life just a week ago today. So. You know, uh, so I get the seriousness of it, right? I mean, I live with my 90-year-old mother and, yeah. and another roommate. And, you know, and my roommate and I are in our 60s. <laughs> and my mom's 90. So we're mask in, mask out. Every building we go, you yeah. have to show proof, double vax of mm -hmm. every restaurant or bar. Like last night, Christmas party, double vaxed, all of us. Anyway, Polly, you know what, kid? Uh, what the hell are you going to do, eh? I mean... Uh, we just have to uh, soldier on, and and uh, I mean, can you believe it's been two years? It's going to be two years in March. Yep, it's crazy. Yeah, yeah crazy. So, I know, pal. I know. All right, so we'll we'll, we'll plow through it. You know, I mean, yep. you, 
Let's talk the, some hockey. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. All right. So look, where as far as the the, the COVID and the games postponed, look, we're all kind of used to this. We're, this is just going to happen now. Postponements, cancellations. Yeah. Um, uh, well, know, I think I, the, in the Bruins' case, Paulie, I think they want to. They just want to take a powder. I mean, they've got they've got six, at least six, if not more. I didn't see the latest today, but they're supposed they're supposed to play the Senators on Sunday. Now that game hasn't been postponed yet. So I think yesterday's was. I don't even know. Uh, well, or tomorrow's game is that postponed because of the Quebec government, or is that postponed? It must be the Quebec government because if it was the Bruins, then I'm quite certain they'd be postponing playing Ottawa on Sunday as well. And I don't believe that's been announced yet. So, but you look at the Calgary Flames. Did you see it on Twitter there just a couple of minutes ago there before we started? No, they only got four. Only got four guys left who aren't in COVID protocol. Everybody else on the roster is in COVID protocol. Yeah, so just to answer the question here, the uh, statement is the game between the Bruins and Montreal Canadiens at Bell Centre on Saturday was postponed by the NHL due to COVID-19 concerns. So the NHL postponed it. Yes. So it looks like uh, Bruins have six players. Which means they'll be, I guess, because Ottawa's in Ontario, and I guess they're going to play. But meanwhile, where I was going to have about 150 people on Saturday, January 1st, we can't do so, you know, it's, it's just, well, it's like when you go to a restaurant, right? Like I was saying to every, you know, the biggest hypocrisy about this whole thing that came out two years ago is, I don't know what it's like there for you, Polly, but you wear a mask, you go in, now you got to show your proof of vaccination. You go in, got your mask on. As soon as you sit down, you can take your mask off. Take it off. No problem. Yeah, they thinking like if you're if you're sitting down with people that you know, that's your your area, and then if you get get up and go to the bathroom or go to the the, the bar or something to get a drink, you gotta put the mask back on. No, but even if you I, stand, yeah, no, I get it yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, I, I get it. You're supposed to have the mask on. The hypocrisy yes. of of this over governing of this situation. I think I, I think I, I don't know. They they I mean we nobody knows how to handle this shit. They've they've this has been as they they learn as you go. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean and then you've got people unfortunately that just won't get vaccinated and No, I know. There's I know. that numbers of it and you know, I'm a yeah. t- to each their own guy. You know, and I've said this on many shows before, I've talked about this as far as being in the you know, I can I can only speak for what's going down here in the States right now and, and especially for me in the northeast, New York. From May through October, when things opened up here and the vaccinations came in, we all went back to work. And we've been working strong since then. Yeah. This private party that got canceled on me, that's a precautionary thing. I appreciate them. Fine. It's not a big deal. I'm okay. And oddly enough, I don't book my bands this time of the season because we play so much during the year. So we usually take the holiday time off. Okay, and we're looking. I'm looking like a you know one of the smallest guys in the world right now. Yeah, you know, absolutely. But I do have a small show with one of the other bands tonight, and it'll be interesting to see how it goes. But like I said, the 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 bar and the restaurant, they get to make the mandate if they if they say, hey, look, you know, you don't have to wear your mask. You don't have to wear your mask tonight. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Yeah, but you know, and then it's up to us as a band members. We're all vaccinated. We go. We're we gonna play. I don't. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I guess we got to move on here, I guess, because it's, it's just going to keep whirling around. So, look, uh, the NHL is going to figure this out one way. They'll keep rescheduling, scheduling. Who the hell knows what's going to help, uh, go on with Beijing? But we do know that Paul Maurice is no longer be going to be the coach in Manitoba, nope. baby. Yeah, that, that was something else. You and I were listening to the presser at the same time. We were messaging, I'm sure, a lot of other people. If they weren't, uh, 
they'll catch if they haven't already catch some sound bites from it. And what a um, what a decision by him. Twenty six years, basically for the most part, fairly consistent run. Twenty six years head coaching in the National Hockey League with uh, four teams, three franchises, because he did Hartford and Carolina. And, you know, he was the second youngest coach in NHL history when he started at 28 years of age. He was the youngest coach ever to coach a thousand games. He currently sits in fourth in games coached and sixth in wins. I think that loss to Montreal last year took a lot out of him. And I think he probably went through this season and was enduring all the battles that any typical season brings. He sounded like a man that... um, I wouldn't say was defeated or, or beat up per se, but a guy that had made a huge decision is what it sounded like to me. I'll get your thoughts on it too. But to me, Paulie sounded like he made a huge decision. Uh, he was making it as he stated. He felt he feels for the betterment of the club. He kept reiterating they need a new voice. And I've, I've not enjoying going to the rink anymore. I've taken them as far as I can. Even when he was asked, uh, about uh, how, I forget how he phrased it. He says, well, I'm not preparing to coach a game tonight. Yeah. And he almost seemed almost a sense of relief there, you know. When they asked him something else, what does this team need? He says, I don't know, man. That's not my job anymore, yeah. you know. Like, mm-hmm. there seemed to be a sense of relief. And and uh, he said, there comes a time. And certainly, you know, these guys, there's no, don't have to worry. I mean, he's sound and set financially. There's no question. So, even though he's like, he's 54 years old, all sorts of people retire. At that age, I think he has the ability to do so, and he's choosing to do so. And then uh, lastly, when he was asked, would he ever coach again? He said, not if I feel like I do today, and this is how I feel today. So I don't know. I think he may be done. He never got the uh, the enchilada, right? I mean, he got all those wins and 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 uh, all those games, and he never won a Stanley Cup. And, and I think that weighed on him, and I think that loss to the Habs last year was crushing. And I think that... Uh, I think he's doing, obviously, what he feels is right for him. So good on him. It was an incredibly honorable press conference, I thought. I thought it was fascinating. I've always been a bit, like, uh, I don't know his, his deep personal history or whatever. I can say as a hockey fan, I've always loved Paul Maurice. Before he got the Winnipeg job, he was on the NHL Network. And, I mean, I, was, I loved his, his, his commentary. Candor. Always, yeah, I just yeah. I think he's one of the smartest hockey guys out there. And I think I love the way he handled that press conference today, too, just as a guy centered and everything else. Um, it was fascinating more than anything to me uh, making that decision. I guess we'll find out one way or the other what it's about. I, I Maybe we can trust him as his word that, you know, and people do that, you know. Oh, no, I, I, I totally yeah. believe it. I mean, Pat Burns resigned uh, a previous coaching job. I mean, people, it has happened. He's not yeah. the first coach to do it. And I left the job when I wasn't feeling it anymore. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) (laughs) Even though I had had benefits and good pay and, (laughs) you know, I was able to go out and drink late at night. You know, I mean, I was like, you know, I'm not feeling this anymore. I'm out of you. And that's it. Yeah. But there was one thing. In my case, it was always the employers. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, there was. Leo, we're just not feeling it anymore. Yeah. (laughs) Jeez. Hey, you know what, though, about Paul Maurice? Go back in 1985. NHL draft. 12th round. The final selection of the 12th round. 252nd overall. Paul Maurice. Wow. Yeah. He was the last guy picked 
in the 85 draft by the Philadelphia Flyers. Now, he suffered an eye injury mm-hmm. in junior hockey. It's pretty serious. And ultimately, it curtailed any any possibility of pro. I mean, he would have been drafted higher, and he would have got a sniff, maybe even made it. Certainly could have played, I'm sure, the American Hockey League level. But I, it, it almost... being drafted where he was, even the fact that he went like dead last, it almost sort of fits his character. You know, it's like, Hey man, I got taken last overall. I'm still going to prove to all you sons of bitches that, you know, I can, I can fashion a job in this industry somehow. And, and I don't know of any, I, I did interview him probably minimum eight to 10 times. I would say over the years, eight to 10 times. Radio show, scrums, one-on-ones at the rink, on camera, on radio, did it all with Paul. Never had a bad minute with him. Yeah. Enjoyed every single, what you saw today, and now you made a great point there, talking about what he was like on the NHL network. That's that's a great point because it, it really, it showed us all, we all know it, but there's certain things you can say and can't say or don't want to say when you're a head coach. And yeah, we're used to Tortorella and we're used to, you know, Pat Quinn when he was alive and coaching and some of the others, Pat Burns, some of these guys, Paul Maurice, he just had a real, love the way he went about it, you know? Yeah. And uh, this just came out so quickly today too, right? I mean, boom, just announcement and then gone. Yeah, a couple more things on that. I think Brian Lawton's the uh, uh, same way in the NHL network. I think he's fantastic. Stu, Stu Grimson, too, is the same kind of way. Those three yeah. guys just have a, just a great way to present the game and everything else. Um, so I forget what the question was. Oh, yeah, did he reach out to any of the other guys? It was a question about, hey, you know, was Boudreaux hiring any kind of this and that or whatever. But yeah. he said he texted Steve DeBoer, who's a good friend of his, and he said he texted him. He says, I win. I don't know if you remember it caught, caught catching that in the thing. And that no. Of, I missed back. that. I, so mi- I, I missed that part. Yeah, I, I, I feel, uh, you know, like I said, we can speculate on everything else. I, de- I definitely think he's coaching again. He's, there's no doubt about it. he's coming back, and I think uh, there's something deeper. I think you're right too. I, I forget about the the loss last year to to Montreal and everything else. That's a that's a huge point too. You forget about that because you kind of think about this. The guys brought up in the press conference stuff about like you know since Dustin Bufflin and. And all that stuff going. They got close to losing to the Predators and all that that a few, few years yeah. ago. And I mean, he yeah. did. He, he brought that team, that franchise is, you know, unless you get to the finals, it's as far as you can go as far as, the you know, the compound and everything else. But I thought that was interesting. He texted Pete DeBoer. He goes, I win. The thing that set me back was I thought that had a lot of balls because he was saying that with the ownership there in the press conference, right? Or the, yeah. the front office guys there, too. So I was like, that kind of set me back. Wow, he just went out of his way and said, I win. So I was like, I don't know what you feel on that on that part. Yeah, well, for one, I, I missed it, unfortunately, so I can't really speak to the context of sort of how he said it, but that was two pretty quick words, so you can sort of analyze it from there. But I don't know. Uh, you feel he's coming back. I I, I, I guess at 54, I mean, he's young young enough, certainly. I mean, my God, he's, uh, he's quite a bit younger than Boudreaux. So, you know, and, and I mean, it's it just didn't sound like that was in in the plans here at all. I. I that comment, maybe he's saying, hey, look, I'm calling the shot before you do. Yeah. I, I think maybe it could have been the case, even though he had an extension. And I know everyone's saying, well, he's leaving $4 million on the table. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty certain he's got that times out of zero, if not a zero. But he'd have certainly ample bank. There's no worries there by the fact he's leaving that. I just think he, hey, look, 
the other joke going around on Twitter was every every coach that's get let go is after they the team loses to the Buffalo Sabers. <laughs> oh, no, coach killers. So, so I don't know, man. I, I don't know if that's the trend, but uh, but yeah. I don't know. Hey, listen, he went out on his shield. And I think any one of us in any walk of life, if you call your shot like that, he, I think he achieved the highest level he thought he was going to get. Maybe he does come back. I don't see a scenario where he wouldn't be hired by somebody. I mean, Dave Lowry's going to take the reins tonight, one of his longtime friends and assistants and a former NHLer. And, uh, and then we'll see because all sorts of the usual names came flooding to the top right away as potential replacements. To take the Jets if they decide to do something other than Lowry for the rest of the season. I mean, they're in a good, okay spot right now, but it's tenuous, right? I mean, it could change in a heartbeat. So, you know, it's um, it's it's uh, all your three or four game, five game losing streak away from falling right out of a wild card, let alone one of the top three spots. So, it's uh, it's pretty crazy, pretty crazy. So, no, I don't know, man. I don't see him. I think maybe he might be done. I think he might be done. But, you know, never's a long time at 54. I mean, maybe he comes back. Someone makes an offer in a year from now, seven-figure contract, come coach this team, and, and he's whetted his appetite again, and maybe he'll miss it. I'm sure he will. But I think after nine years in Winnipeg, first of all, that's probably deserves a gold star. Right? <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, anybody <laughs> who's missed nine years, no disrespect. <laughs> Because <laughs> I tell you what, I did get the feeling they asked him about, you know, his home and the family there. It sounded like he was jetting out of town, buddy. He was closing shop, yeah. jumping in a rocket ship. He's going to be in Hawaii. Down, He's going to get, get that nose swab. They're all going to be negative. They're going to wear six masks. They're on a plane. They're going to Hawaii. You're not going to see them. Oh, man. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, I shouldn't say it that way. I mean, I've been to Winnipeg. I've, I've done gigs there. It's a, a very, very, very passionate, passionate fan base. I, I did a gig there in 99, man, in a sports bar. And I was, I was surrounded by this mob of hockey fanatics to the point where I almost couldn't breathe. I had to get up on the bar. Not, I'm not kidding you. <laughs> I got up on the bar and said, guys, I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> you know, as long as this bar is open, I will be here. I, I will answer all of your questions. But, you know, it was, uh, that was a great night, such a great time. But fanatic, fanatic, fanatic hockey fans. Yeah. And they love it there. And I mean, it's the middle of Canada, right? And it's a great province. And, uh, you know, tons of hockey players have come from there, have made the NHL, great junior teams and all the rest. But uh, nine years, Paul Maurice, the helm there, you know, that's uh, that's and, and without being able to get over the hump. I mean, he yeah. he alluded to that today a couple of times. So so there, there you have it. I think he's he called the shot. I think maybe whether he saw the writing on the wall or not, but when. The loss last night was maybe just the final nail in the coffin. It sounds like the coffin was pretty much nailed shut. Yeah. And I think last night, uh, you know, that, that just solidified it. And, and I think he just said, they, you know, anybody who's coached at any level, you know when you have the room. Yeah. You do. You know when you've lost it maybe to a degree. And it can happen for a variety of reasons, variety of ages, and a variety of levels. I coached, I told you all the time, 
10,000 miles and leagues and whatever in minor hockey underneath anything remotely close to the NHL. But at the end of the day, as the head coach, you got to have that room. You're sending 15, 16 kids out there to play to the best of their ability, and they're largely going to feed off how you've instructed them at practice and how you're delivering that message pregame. Such a huge, huge component gets overlooked a lot. Yeah. And, and uh, I think he, he, you know, he alluded today, Paulie, how many times did he say it? They need a new voice. Yeah. You know, so no, they didn't. He says, no, I didn't lose the room and the players haven't quit on me, but they just need a new voice. I just thought that was the most telling thing of all. Mm-hmm. Well, so, some, you know, maybe it's, it's for a guy like him to recognize that and to, to bow out, you know, Hey, look, we wish him Godspeed and we raise a glass to him. He's like I said, I think he's a good guy and, We'll find out. And he's got a book to write now, I guess, too. <laughs> yeah. Well, that, that's about everybody's option is to turn around. I mean, look at his career. Do you not think he could fill a story, fill a book? I mean, you'd have to think 26 years going back to 94, 95. Holy cow. 25 or 1995, I guess he started after that lockout. I think he came in halfway through. Um, that was a 48-game season that year, the first lockout that really affected a season. It was a brief 11-day one in 1992 when they argued over uh, licensing rights, but didn't cost any games, I don't believe. But uh, anyway, there you have it. So, uh, well, Paul I, mean, Marie- I tell you this. Hey, Jeff Gordon knows he's available now. Woo-hoo. Who? Jeff Gordon knows he's available now. Yeah, Jeff Gordon. Yeah, 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 yeah. What are you going to do with a guy who can't speak French, though? Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, he's a way behind quit. the bench. Yeah. He's got a French type of name, Paul Maurice. Yeah, he does. Paul Maurice. <laughs> definitely a French name. Somebody else said that on Twitter, too. It was, it was quite funny. I read it. I laughed. But but no, uh, no. no, they're they're just going to move ahead there with uh, prodding Ducharme, who just doesn't seem to be able got to get it. a streak going, buddy. Oh, hey, listen, man. The Habs won last night, Paulie. I don't know if you heard or not. I did, yeah. Good, great, man. <laughs> Nobody was there to see it, but man... That's right. That's right. See, they couldn't be booed off the There's ice. A bunch of said, oh, what off the hell? Why don't we? Why don't we try? Why don't we try a win, guys? What do you say we mix in a win? What do you think? It's been about six Just months. Think, think of this. <laughs> they've been playing like shit in front of the fan base. You know what they've been? The, you know what the Montreal Canadiens have been? They're, they've been that free spot on the bingo card. You know, when you play bingo, no, you got that play, free spot. They play better when nobody's in the goddamn house. Nobody's in the building. <laughs> <laughs> they figured yeah. it out. Yeah, Drew oh, said I uh, never had so much fan support last night. He scored the shootout. He scored the shootout winner. It was a beauty play. I mean, he's been their best forward by far. Mind you, he's been one of the only ones to stay in the lineup. It seems everybody else either been injured or sick. <clears throat> so they are going to go very quietly into the night here, the rest of this season, and uh, pick somewhere in the top three and uh, and then go from there. So the big thing will be who Gorton's going to hire as a GM. I think it's going to be that uh, agent. I think it's going to be Kent Hughes. Speaking of Paul Maurice with a French name, can't speak French, Kent Hughes, francophone, fluently bilingual with an English name, Kent Hughes. And I, I, I think he is going to be Montreal Canadiens' next GM. All right. Are you cool with that? Yeah, I, I, I am. I, I, I can't remember if it was our show or another one. I've done a few in the last seven days or so. You've been very busy. But, it, uh, well, you know, I'll take the calls when they come, man, because there ain't yeah. much else going on. <laughs> so um, I I uh, I'll say it here if I didn't that out of the there's currently 30 general managers in the NHL because Vancouver and Montreal don't have one yet as they seek replacements. 
So there's 30 out of the 32 teams. Of those 30, 15 played in the NHL. So only 50% are former players. Hmm. You've got all sorts of guys like, whether it be Julian Brisebois, the two-time Stanley Cup champions, or Bill Zito in their counterstate, interstate rival, Florida Panthers. Numerous others, man. Uh, both coaches and GMs. Now, that's just a GM count, but the coach count, probably around the same. I haven't done the numbers, but, you know, I mean, John Cooper never played hockey, any pro hockey. I mean, it's so I'm quite okay with that. I, I think, look, it's 2021. We're on the verge here of 2022. Mark Bergeron, as I said last week there, Paulie, in our show, he did a great job. He did a good to great job. It wasn't excellent because they didn't win a cup. Mm -hmm. But in nine and a half years, six teams won the cup. Montreal wasn't one of them. In nine and a half years, 14 teams went to the finals. Montreal Canadiens were one of them. And they're one of a, of a slightly higher number to have two trips to the semifinals in that time. And they are one of those teams. He's the 10th winningest GM in the playoffs in nine years. The 10th winningest. Everybody in front of him pretty much won a Stanley Cup. So he made 64 trades. The overwhelming majority of them were excellent trades. Yeah. But all everybody is going to talk about is, is Sergeyev and, and Drouet, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and uh, but you look at all the other deals. You look at signing Toffoli as a free agent, picking up Paul Byron on waivers and the mileage he got out of these guys. Yeah. So, no, he, he, he did a good to great job. And the only reason it's not excellent, he was nominated as GM of the year four out of the nine years. Yep. I, I mean, but haters going to hate, eh? Hate, haters are going to hate. They, they live for it. They wake up every morning with that dark lining in their silver cloud. And they say, what negative thing can I say today? I'm going to go piss on my neighbor's lawn or something. What, what can I do to really, you know, there's got to be something so wrong in the world today that I can jump on, on social media and raise my fist and yell at the cloud and be all upset about something. I'll find something to be negative about today. That's, that's, that's the way it rolls, man. It is indeed. Well, we'll see what happens there in uh, Montreal, Canadian land. All right, let's move on here to uh, Mr. Spezza, because uh, Mr. Bettman has stepped in and reduced his six-game suspension to four games. Your thoughts yep. on that? Yeah, I didn't have a problem with that at all. I, you know, I, I think you and I talked about the six-gamer, and uh, I was surprised he got six, even though it was a brutal, brutal shot to the head. It was premeditated, hit with one of the hardest parts of the body, the knee, you're targeting a guy who's already down as well, despite uh, Pionk's brutal knee-on-knee that led to this. Having said that, Spets a 19 years without even a sniff of any supplementary discipline. So, and Gary still, you know, he holds the line. Four games, even had had it been announced four originally, Paulie, I don't think any of us would have blinked, you know. Yeah. We would have went, yeah, hey, you know what? Four games is not, it's not, it's more than one or two or three. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I mean, it's, I didn't have a problem. What, what right. about you? I, I didn't have a problem with it being reduced. No, I, I know think... it was a brutal play. It was a brutal, brutal play. But when they, they, they looked, the big thing about supplementary discipline, it, like Brad Marchand has been suspended seven times or something. So you're not talking about the same same type of player here. And, and, and I know Batman didn't say it in the statement, but... I think there was an underlying current there almost to me, Paulie. I don't know how you read it, but to me, it was an underlying current there almost to say, yeah, you know, Pionk is pretty dirty SOP there for that neon neon Sandine. So you know, we kind of, we're 
You're going to forgive Jason one game for that. And we're going to forgive him one game because he's been clean for 19 years. We're knocking it down to four. Bob's your uncle. Let's go. I agree with all that. I'm 100% right with you on that because of his past record. Uh, yeah. it's, uh, I believe the officials are to blame for how things lit up there and all that other stuff. So I certainly don't have any issues with uh, with Gary stepping in there and um, reducing the um, the games there for Mr. Spezza. Yeah. All good stuff there. Um, you, you wanted to talk about um, the great eight, Mr. Ovi here. And, oh, yeah. Uh, and his next power play goal. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's he's continues, as we know, to march along. Um, you know, he's, what's he, uh, 15, 15 goals, I think, back of Jagger for third. So uh, last game, I believe, he scored his 274th power play goal, tying him with Dave Anderchuk for the most in NHL history. So his next power play goal, which will conceivably come the next time he plays, <laughs> uh, he'll he'll set that record. So he just continues to march along. And I, I'm a avid social media guy. I mean, I kind of have to be, but it is where I, I devour a lot of, a lot of uh, conversations as do you and many others that do what we do, trying to have a podcast or talk on them and vlogs and things of that nature. And it raised its head again this week. Now, I don't know where it originated, but allegedly, I think it somebody somewhere in Canada wrote something to the effect that if and when Ovi passes Gretzky, there maybe should be an asterisk because of the ability that he's had to play reduced players in overtime. First four on four. Well, uh, he started when it was four on four, and then, and then of course, it's been three on three. Wayne had overtime only starting in his fourth season, and it was always a full five-on-five, five, right? He never got to even experience it as four-on-four, four, which ironically, the rule was changed during regulation time for coincidental penalties because of the Edmonton Oilers' play as a quartet at that time. Just like the Montreal Canadiens were responsible in 1957 for the player being allowed to come out of the box mm-hmm. when a power play, when a goal was scored on the penalty, and the Oilers were responsible for coincidental penalties to allow substitution. So they didn't have, they didn't have that go down to four on four because it was such an advantage for Gretzky and the Oilers. There's some so there's some merit to making that statement. But the only thing I wanted to say about Apollo and why I wanted to discuss it and weigh in on it, because I went back and forth with a few people there on Twitter. So I'm backing Ovi on this. I'm backing him on this. If and when he hits 895, then he's at 895. There's no, you, no matter how far back you go to whoever the holder was, they played under different rules. Even though, yeah, it's a 60-minute game, but... And and the most goals wins the game. And you count a point for a goal and a point for an assist. Other than that, I mean, you know, there was, they didn't even allow forward passing until 1929. <laughs> like, uh, Joe Malone scored 44 goals in 20 games in 1918. What if that season happened to be 50 games? He would have scored 100 goals. Nobody would have broken the record. Yeah. But it was a 22-game season. He missed two games because the West Mount Arena burnt down. So they didn't play the games against the Wanderers. His franchise ended up folding. So the next guy to break his record was Rocket Richard. The year he scored 50 in 1945. He only played 50 games. What if he had to play 70 games? Which they did five years later. 
Five years later, the NHL went to 70 games. What if that happened at 45 and the Rockets scored 70 goals? But he didn't. You know, it was a 50-game season. And what about, uh, you know, when Phil Esposito scored, scored the 76? You, you know, he didn't have the opportunity to play any overtime. He didn't have the opportunity to, uh, uh, you know, to play, to play uh, with no red line. He didn't have the opportunity to know the rules. The rules... And then Gretzky comes along and shatters it 11 years later with 92. So, and, and nobody's putting asterisks up beside those guys. So if Ovi makes it, God bless him if he does. God bless him. Yeah, I'm with you. I don't, I don't think it's, I, I mean. I don't think he'll. I don't think he's going to. Ovi doesn't make the rule leagues. He's playing, he's a player playing within the rules of the league at the time that he's, that's his error. I mean, this is it, you know. That's I'm it. I'm with you, man. Go get him, Ovi. Yeah. He you hits know? 895, man. You tip your hat. And if you got so much time in your hands that you're going to bitch about this, get a yeah. life. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, Holy if the nothing. NHL decided to not use goaltenders anymore next season, <laughs> we'd, just, we'd still be watching the game, right? Just be a little, uh, a little more interesting. Put in the shooter tutors. <laughs> so he's got or, a chance what tonight. we used to refer to as uh, Aaron Poopa. So he's got a chance tonight. No, he was I, the first guy with the real big pads, right? <laughs> That's what everybody said. Darren Poopa was the first goaltender to go with the Michelin man look. So he obviously was a solid tender at different times in his career for sure. So not diminishing his goaltending talent, but he was allegedly the first goaltender to really go with the big pads. So, yeah, I, I, I digress, take, picking up off your, your funny little comment there, but uh, – yeah, I well, you're you're on the same page as me. If Ovi Absolutely. gets to eight ninety five, you tip your cap, take a shot of whiskey to him, and hey, look, man, uh, uh, I like I said two years ago, I finally I made the I made the jump, I made the jump to say he's the greatest pure goal scorer in the history of the game. At some point, you cannot continue to go back to Mike Bossy's nine straight fifty goal seasons and say that's the standard bearer. All that's the standard bearer of is most consecutive fifty goal seasons. Who even made that number has the number? Yeah. Why isn't it 60 goals? Mm-hmm. Why is it like Mike Bossy has nine straight 50 goal seasons and only led the NHL twice in goals in that run? Like, so was, was he, he's the most consistent goal scorer at that time. But, uh, but Wayne Gretzky scored more goals than Mike Bossy did in, in that time. Yeah. So was Wayne not a better goal scorer? But we, that's the dimension. This is the, this is the, the way you have to to put this out there is you're talking about pure goal scorer, not all-around player. Like Mike Bossy, I think, in my opinion, is a better all-around hockey player than Alex Ovechkin. But Ovechkin, to me, is the greatest pure goal scorer consistently in a career the NHL has ever seen. And I think he, your Bossies and Pavel Burres and Brad Hulls and Bobby Hulls and Rocket Richards and even, yes, Joe Malone's, because if you're talking NHL all time, you got to go back to 1917. That's how I roll. It's what I do as an historian. And you put all the names in there, but at the top of them is Ovi. And if he hits 895, all he becomes then is the career goal-scoring leader. Mm-hmm. Doesn't change anything other than he becomes a career goal-scoring leader. So that's, my, that's what i got to say about that. There you go. How about them apples, ladies and gentlemen? <laughs> go get them, Ovi. All right, let's switch into uh, this day in hockey. Here we are, December 17th. Woo! Yeah. Start getting your points ready. 
All right, buddy, what do you got for us today here on Sticks and Taps? Drilled a hundred back last night, but uh, anyway, <laughs> here we are. <laughs> You'll see the pictures later. I'll be posting them soon. All right, looking forward. Oh, to we it, had buddy. such a it's such a good time last night. I I hook up annually with a group. Uh, um, they're a group of guys that played minor hockey together. I sort of came in at a back door. I'm about a decade, eight to ten years older than all of them, but they're very, very dear friends of mine. Steve McLaughlin spearheads the group. Hell of a, an athlete. Uh, played junior B hockey. Played college football. Uh, hell of a fastball player. Just a, one of the one of the better all round athletes that I know, frankly, to be honest. And uh, he organizes it. It's his group, and uh, we had our annual Christmas thing last night. It's about 25 of us, and uh, boy, we had a time. Uh, we we just had a fantastic time. So, and this day, go ahead, Paulie. Yeah, no, Sorry, I said good on you, man. Love it. Yeah. Well, hey, man, listen. You know, we we mask in, mask out. Everybody double vaxxed. So we went in. We had a private room at the back, the Mill Restaurant in Manitick, the old McAvoy House, as I always like to say, and and uh, and we partied there, and we partied pretty hard. Good, and man. it was uh, it was great. All the usual suspects. You know, Bosick, Bubba, all the, you know, Big Wayne Kreiderman, who was a professional wrestler for a while. Uh, Bubba played pro hockey down in Bakersfield, California. You know, these are, these are some of the guys I hang with, you know. It's, uh, it's amazing when I, when I think of it, some, what some of, these, some of these men accomplished when they, when they come up. Like Danny Murphy wasn't there last night, but he won three great cups. I mean, that's pretty damn impressive. Oh, yeah. And he's, he's part of that group. He, wasn't, he didn't make it out last night, but anyway. Hey, we laid uh, we laid my uncle Jerry there to rest yesterday, and we had the uh, the marathon Irish wake. And awesome. uh, you know, when when somebody passes here in the traditional Irish way, you celebrate. And we had an absolutely amazing yeah. day yesterday after um, the services and the family getting back together and storytelling and all that other stuff. That's and now great. there's a big sing song scheduled at my cousin's house on Saturday. So you know, I'm with you, man. Get out there and have a good time. Well, Yes, sir. Until they tell us we can't, and then uh, we'll just go to Rocket's place on the river in cars because no one knows where it is, and we'll just party there. <laughs> so, so what? Uh, December seventeenth, Paulie. This day in hockey. Speaking of Wayne Gretzky, I I, I think what I'm going to do every time we do the show uh, that if there is a Gretzky stat, and there almost always is, I'm going to throw it up there. Reason being that whoever listens, I love them to hear because. For so many of us, even those of us who are alive, we forget just how dominant this guy was. Then on December 17th, 1983, Wayne Gretzky picked up his 500th assist and his 800th point in an 8-1 win over the Quebec Nordiques in career game number 352. 800 points. In 352 games. All you could do is laugh. <laughs> I mean, you know, there are no words. And if it was all because of shitty goaltending and defense who couldn't stand, and what a ridiculous comment both of those are, yes, goal scoring was higher in that era, no doubt about it. But why the hell wasn't everybody else doing it? Exactly. You know, so. Everybody, anyway. everybody got their fair chance, just as, just as much as Wayne did. He sure as hell did. And yeah, was he protected? Absolutely. If you were running the Edmonton Oilers, would you not have protected him back then? You know? I mean, you not think if you breathed on, on Guy Lafleur in the 70s that the cavalry wasn't coming? Yep. You want to you ask Mike Bossy? He's reluctant to say it because he so much abhors 
fighting in hockey. Mm -hmm. But he knows that he buttered his bread because of who was on that other wing and Jethro, Clark Gillies, yep. and, and seven or eight other guys on that Islander team. There's never been a cup-winning lineup with the exception of maybe the late 40s Toronto Maple Leafs that had so many players so willing to drop the gloves yep. as the early 80s New York Islanders. Yeah. And I got another one, though, to finish up, buddy, for you, a beauty, because I know you love your Rangers. Ah, they're and, playing all right now. Yeah, they sure as hell are. Hey, listen, the playoffs start today. They're well ensconced, my friend. You yes, have sir. to be Capco start Capo starting to score. I mean, that's just so encouraging what's going on there. And I'm so happy for Turkey Gallant behind the bench, especially because I love that guy. And and uh, you got a beauty there. And on this day, Paulie, it's way back, but I love the stat. Your New York Rangers were born, as you well know, in 1926. That's when they joined the NHL. So nine years later, on this day, December 17th, they celebrated the franchise's 500th game in the NHL. And there were, is it five or six players? One, two, three, four, five, six players who were there in 1926 that were still there on December 17th, 1935, when they played the Montreal Canadiens at Madison Square Garden. And they were Bill and Bun Cook. These are legendary New York Ranger names. Mm -hmm. Bill and Bun Cook, Frank Boucher, Ching Johnson, all legendary New York Ranger names. Butch Keeling, maybe not so much, but he also was on the list. And last but not least, Murray Murdoch, who not only was he there in 1926, but at that point, he was the only one that had played in every single Ranger game. Holy shit. Every one. He played all 500 of those consecutively. He wow. was the original Iron Man. Before there was Gary Unger, before there was Doug Jarvis, before there was Gary Unger, before there was Johnny Wilson, there was Murray Murdoch. And he did that all with the New York Rangers, which means he was there when they went to the final in 32, and he was there when they won the cup in, in 33, and he was there when they won the cup in 28. Wow. And and that That's so is hard. significant. That's on this date in 1935. And then just to finish, a couple of birthdays. Craig Berube, uh, hold on. 56 oh. today. Yeah, 56? Yeah. Yeah. And, I was just uh, going to say real quick, as far as Murray Murdoch, I always like the Murdochs when they're on the Rangers, especially it was, it was Donnie Murdoch. Right oh, there Donnie. Say. Yeah, yeah, I love him. <laughs> Donnie Murdoch ran into a little trouble at the airport. Yeah. But, uh, you know. <laughs> love them on the Rangers uh, there with Espo's Rangers. Loved it. <laughs> I love those. You know Rangers. what? He, he would have won. He would have won the Calder Trophy in a walk if he doesn't run into that that situation there that led to him uh, having to take some time away from the game. And uh, you know, he had a five goal game as a rookie in the NHL. Second guy to do it. Howie Meeker was the first in 1946-47 in January '47 with the Leafs. Murdoch did it. I believe the Rangers were playing the Minnesota North Stars that night. I believe. And. Uh, I've met Donnie. What a great guy. What yeah. a great guy. Big, big fan too. of his. But yeah. uh, So who yeah, are the birthdays? Sorry, buddy. Murdoch, cut you off. Brother. Yeah. Hey? I'm sorry to cut you off there before. Who were the birthdays today? Yeah, yeah. Craig Berube, 56. Uh, uh, Vinny Danfoos, 54. So he's the only man in NHL history to lead three teams in scoring, three different teams in three consecutive seasons. Vinny Danfoos, Edmonton, Toronto, and Montreal. He did it three straight years. Never been done. No one will ever do it again. And uh, Gilles Tremblay, the late Gilles Tremblay, 
he died seven years ago, so he'd be 82 if he was alive today. Nobody probably knows the name unless you're from around here. But he was he 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 had a long, long broadcasting career. Injuries cut short his career when he's 31 years old. He won four Stanley Cups with the Montreal Canadiens. And I wanted to give him a shout out because I watched as many games on French TV as I did English back when I was growing up as a kid on, on the first line. And René Le Cavalier and Gilles Tremblay were the French broadcasters. And and uh, Gilles, God rest his soul, um, uh, he died at 75 years of age, so decent life. And But his career got cut short. But I remember talking to Yvonne Cornway about him, and he said, man, Liam, he played left wing, I was right wing. You have no idea how good he was, especially in the 66 playoffs. So I think he... Roger Crozier got the Conn Smythe in 66 on the losing team. I think Jill Tremblay, I think, finished second or third in voting. So, anyways, just wanted to acknowledge that today, brother. Great stuff, man. All great players. Love all those guys you mentioned. All good stuff. So, uh, fair play to them and a happy, happy birthday. And many more to come. So, look, here's yep. what we're going to do. Uh, I'm going to just run down our little Irish uh, antidote this week. I'm just going to do, uh, you do uh, this day in Irish. I mean, this day, uh, this day in, in hockey history. Yeah. I'm going to do this day in Irish history, but I'm going to go back to the week. I've just got a couple little antidotes here. I'm going to some state, some uh, some stats here, um, some interesting stuff, some funny, some sad, some very interesting. I'll run through them real quick. We'll put a little music on here, and then, Liam, you can comment during or after. But here we go. On Monday, December 13th in 1960, Aer Lingus, first jet, the Boeing 707, St. Patrick Makes its inaugural flight. All right. <laughs> My dad th- used to work for Lingus. There you go. 2002 for the eighth year. The only live Christmas crib in Ireland opens in forecourt of the Mansion House on Dawson Street in Dublin. This year's nativity scene features two llamas as well as the usual donkeys, calves, goats, and sheep. <laughs> Tuesday. Nobody likes a little time. <laughs> Tuesday, December 14th, 1955. The Republic of Ireland becomes a member of the United Nations, and the world yeah. has never been the same. <laughs> That's right. Listen to this one, buddy. Wednesday, December 15th, 1760. John McNaughton, a gambler, duelist, and a criminal, is hanged in Strabane Jail for his involvement in the killing of Marianne Knox, daughter of Andrew Knox, MP. At the first attempt to hang him, the rope breaks. But ignoring offers from the crowd to help him make his escape, he declares that he does not wish to be known forever as Half Hung McNaughton and asks the hangman to proceed. Jesus. <laughs> that is great stuff. Thursday, that December 16th, stuff, 1987. <laughs> Fairy Tale. Great song here for the holidays yes. of New York by the Pogues and Christy McCall reaches number two in the British charts. And that was December 16th, 1987. Now, sadly, 13 years later, also on December 18th, 2000, a boating accident in Mexico claims the life of singer Christy McCall. Sad stuff. Didn't know that. Yeah, very sad ending to that man's life. Yeah. Friday, December 17th, rebel leader Michael (laughs) Dwyer, whose guerrilla attacks had maddened British colonial authorities since 1798, surrenders. (laughs) 108, and here we go today too, 187 years ago today, Liam, on December 17th, 1834, the first... The Leafs won the cup. No, yeah, well, that's a side note here. Uh, The first 
dedicated commuter railway line in the world began operations from Dublin to Dunlogoya. I think that's how it's sent. Dunleary. Uh, there, there, Dunleary. There you go. My God, hit me over the head with a with a point. Not a full one, though. All right, and just to wrap up the week, Saturday, December 18th in 1798, James Henry, physician and classic scholar, is born in Dublin. In 1980, the prisoners in Armagh and Longkesh end their hunger strike on promises of political status, and as the luck of the Irish would have it, the promises are not kept. And then Sunday, December 19th, buddy, and hold on, i got to fire this up as we get into the Irish toast. Sunday, December 19th, 1972, Finn Lizzy reached number one in the Irish charts with whiskey in the jar. <laughs> Woo! There you go, buddy. Love it. And Love that's it. a great cue for our Irish toast this week here on Sticks and Taps. Oh, my goodness. That's fantastic. Well done. Well half done, Paul. McNaughton. I don't want to yeah. be known as half McNaughton. McNaughton. String me up again. Oh, I died when I saw that, man. (laughs) That's great stuff. All right, buddy, what do you got? That's great stuff. Hey, listen, I'm done. I just want to get out of here. I know you got a jet, and uh, I wanted to finish. I'm toasting Les Emerson today, and uh, I don't know if you can throw up signs um, for our exit. Uh, I know you've heard of the song. He wrote it, and uh, he was with the five-man electrical band. He was a singer-songwriter extraordinaire. He's in the... Hall of Fame as a songwriter up here in Canada, and that song was a massive hit globally, and certainly in North America, and uh, such an honor to get to know him and do some charity work with him. He's going to be missed, and I'm uh, thinking of him today. So that's my toast is to, is to Les Emerson. Bravo, and we will play this out as we go. Uh, cheers to him, mate. Sorry for your loss. And as always, we want to thank everybody here for listening to Sticks and Taps. You've been fantastic. We see the listens, the audience, and the downloads. Thank you so much. And I'll send it back to you, Liam, as always. Say goodbye as we roll out here for signs from Five Man Electrical Band. There he is right there. Folks, as usual, thanks so much for listening. We'll catch you again next week. G'day. Jumped on the fence and he yelled at the house, Hey, what gives you the right?